Holy God, we believe that. Your word says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, freedom to worship you, freedom to approach the throne with boldness by the help of the Holy Spirit this morning. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir affections in our heart for you. Help us to be attentive to what you have for us this morning. And may your word, O oh God, move in power. May it convict us, may it lead us, and may it change us. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Joseph Souter changed his name to Joe South when he started writing music. And he had a contract with a recording studio in, and uh, he was supposed to have so many songs put together. And he went through a drought and he didn't have any music to give him. And so uh, they called for him to fly out to Los Angeles from Nashville and to answer for why he didn't have any music for him. And he gets on the plane and he's on the way out to Los Angeles and these words come to him. I beg your pardon, I never promised you a... Along with the sunshine, there's gotta be a little rain sometime, yeah. I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. A couple of people tried to cut that and they had a, never really made it, but when Lynn Anderson, in the early 70s, when she recorded that song, it became this huge hit. It was on the charts for a long time. And it became fashionable, I guess, for us to say, well, I never promised you a rose garden. You know, I can't imagine how many times that conversation has been had between husbands and wives, between brothers and sisters, and between friends when the husband comes home and, and the, the wife says, what about this? Or vice versa, you know, the wife comes home, the husband says, what about this? And they said, well, you know, I never promised you a rose garden. And so there's going to be some rain along with the sunshine. Well, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus was the first to say, I never promised you a rose garden. We want a rose garden, though. And there's a lot of Christianity that picks and chooses what the Bible says and only picks out the good things. And it's like going through a cafeteria line and you only pick out what you want and you leave away some other things in the scripture. But in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, we see that the Christian life is not going to be a rose garden. It's not going to be all easy. It's not going to be getting better and better and better. Every Christian who lives for the Lord is going to experience difficult times, difficult days, and the Lord calls it persecution. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed still means the same thing that it did, and blessed are the pure in heart, and blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are the merciful. Blessed is an inner contentment that does not have anything to do with circumstances. God provides that. God provides that if we are following him, he has enough power that he gives us peace, he gives us joy, he gives us just this strength that can face any circumstance. That's really important for us to understand. 
He doesn't promise a rose garden, but he does promise us that he's going to give us what we need to handle every crisis, every trial, every tribulation that we come up against. He is powerful. He has the strength to carry us through. So blessed are those who are persecuted. And it says why they're persecuted. Persecuted for righteousness. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul prepares Timothy for what he was about to face. And he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, PR? God doesn't PR things, doesn't he? Everything's going to be great. The Bible doesn't say that. You're going to have an easy road. If you'll just come to Christ and believe in him and trust in him and live for him, your life is going to be like a rose garden. It's going to be wonderful. A rose garden without the thorns. You're going to have it made. Jesus didn't say that. Matter of fact, what Jesus says is just altogether opposite of that. And Jesus teaches his disciples, remember in context, is to get ready for the crowds. It's to get ready for all the crowds that Jesus retreats from, that he gets away from in, in Matthew chapter 5, 1, and retreats up the mountain, and the disciples come to him, and he teaches these things, and he says to them, this is how you are to be. This is what I want you to become. This is what I'm calling you to sign up for. This is to be your life. And, and when you look through these Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, if, if you'll take a, a, an inventory of these and take a look at it and, and sort through this, you'll discover that the Holy Spirit has been teaching you these things he, for, for years since you became a Christian. He's been adding layers to understanding, to awareness, so that you can be who Jesus desires you to be. You can be the people that live for him, that live a righteous life, that are peacemakers, are pure in heart, are merciful, hunger and thirst after righteousness, so that you can make a real impact in, in your world, in the crowd, around the people that you're going to come across. But the very last thing here in this section of this message here, Jesus lays out for them. He said, I want you to be clear. I want you to understand. I don't want you to be caught off guard. If you're going to live for me, if you're going to live righteously, you will be persecuted. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He gives three aspects of the persecution. In verse uh, 10 and 11 here, he gives the aspect of the word persecution, which means to be physically mistreated. Now, it's, it's a horrible thing to be persecuted. It's, it, it's hard. Many people are persecuted. They're killed for living for Christ. They're beaten. They're whipped. They're, they're tortured. They're imprisoned. They're starved because they believe in Christ. And, and this idea of being persecuted is a, is a physical harm. 
Many people are persecuted economically. They aren't able to do business any longer because they believe in Christ. Many people find themselves harmed socially. There's a, there's a man that I met in, in Utah, in Tremont, Utah, and he was the city manager of, of, of U, Tremont, Utah, had a very nice job, had gone to Brigham Young University and got a degree in city planning and all those kind of things. But when I met him, he lived in a two-room house. And the living room, which they lived in, and had a, had a, uh, he had a bedroom and a living room slash kitchen and a bathroom off to the side of the house, like they just built a lean-to out there and added a commode and a sink and a shower. And it's a very small house. And he had books all around the living room area and the kitchen area, just walls of books. And, and I says, man, you read a lot. He goes, yeah. And he told us his story. Here's his story. Um, he was a Mormon, of course, grew up a Mormon. One of the grandchildren or great-grandchildren of Brigham Young. I said, well, that's pretty cool. He said, not really. There's a bunch of us. <laughs> he said, man, we're a lot, we're, there's a lot of Brigham Young's kids around here. And he said, but I'm one of his great, great, great grandkids or how many greats it was. And, and I said, well, well, tell me your story. How did you become a believer in Christ? He says, well, he said, I was raised in the Mormon church and I started reading and started learning and, and started discovering that their idea of Jesus was different than the New Testament idea of Jesus. And I read history books and I took, I just looked at it and he said, man, I, I just came to the place where I realized that they were believing an untruth. And he says, it's just not true. Joseph Smith was, was a con artist and a false prophet. And what they taught me was not true. And so he said, I became a believer in Jesus, God's son, not, not the devil's brother. And I became born again. And when that happened, I lost my job. We lost our friends. We lost our family. And there he was, having been the city manager, and, and living in a, is what he described was a very nice home, had a nice vehicle, had, had goods, made some money. And now he was living in a very just, you know, bare home that was run down and old, and they were barely able to scratch out a living because he believed in Christ. And I looked at him, and I thought, this guy's been persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so persecution is physical harm, economic harm, social injustice that people incur because of righteousness, because of Jesus, because of living a righteous life. And it also uses the word revile in verse 11. Blessed are, others, blessed are you when others revile you. Revile means here in verse 11, it talks about really harsh insults. I mean, it's just not speaking unkind of you, but it's harsh insults. It's, it's just, just great venom, great poison coming out against you because of your righteousness, because of living for the Christ and uttering all kinds of evil against you falsely because of Jesus on my account. And so it's all based on on my account, Jesus says. Because of me, Jesus says to us, because of me, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be reviled, and people are going to speak unkindly about you, and they're going to spread 
false rumors about you. They're going to slander you to your face in the reviling and to your back in the gossip, in the evil accusations that are going to be spread against you. All because of me. So that's what you got to look forward to. That's what we've got to look forward to if we're going to live for Christ. That's what we've got to look forward to. That's what's facing us. If we live righteously, we are going to experience these things. Now, living righteously falls into three categories, okay? It's positional righteousness. We are right with God through what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. We are justified. We are made right with God. He credits to us as paid, as as paid in full. Our sin is paid in full by believing in him. And so positional righteousness, there's also social righteousness. Social righteousness is doing good works, doing nice things, doing good things for other people, ministering to the needs of other people without any strings attached. It's when unconditional love gets carried away in us and we, and we serve other people because of Jesus. That's social righteousness. And then moral righteousness, the change that happens inside of us when we are clean from the inside out, we are sanctified. The Holy Spirit does the work in us and, and we have righteous morality. We do social works that are righteous and we're positionally righteous. We're right with God. And so when we live a righteous life, when we seek to live a righteous life, when we live differently than the world lives, when we think differently than the world thinks, when we believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation, we are going to be persecuted. It's going to come our way. Now, the good news we find in the scripture, however, is not only is there persecution that's going to happen, but there's going to be some benefits to this persecution that we're going to face. First of all, there's proof of salvation when we are persecuted. So you can rejoice when you're persecuted because being persecuted for righteousness, being persecuted because of Jesus in our life is a proof of salvation for it says in verse 10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That means we're saved. That means we're born again. That means we're going to heaven. That means we're God's children. And so Jesus says that when we are persecuted for righteousness sake, now not just persecuted, not just mistreated, not fa just face it injustice. People can't claim that who face injustice because of their own, own choices. People can't claim that, that they're mistreated because of the choices they've made or they go through hard times because of decisions they made. But because of righteousness, because of living for Jesus, they experience persecution. Jesus says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is proof of salvation. That's a wonderful thing. He also says about this reward. In verse 12, he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Now, now think about the reward for a moment. The reward will be crowns of righteousness. It will be rewards. There will be a, a, an award ceremony when we cross the Golden River. You know, we go into through the Golden Gates and, and we're in heaven. There's going to be a time where there's going to be a giving out of rewards. Now, 
I don't know for sure what all those rewards are and what that looks like and what that's going to mean. But if Jesus is saying to us that here, man, you're really going to be persecuted for me. Some are going to die because of me. Some are not going to be able to have a job because of me. Some are not going to be able to make a living because of me. Some are going to be hunted down because of me. Some are going to have to hide because of me. When they find out that you're a believer or they find out you have received Christ and you believe in him, people are going to come after you. Man, if, if Jesus says in this scripture that you are blessed when this happens and that your reward is great, it must be some kind of reward. It must really be something that Jesus is able to promise this. Now, since he's able to promise this, Jesus is either warped or sadistic or he really is the son of God. If he can make, if he can do something, if we can receive something in heaven that absolutely blows away all the persecution that is experienced as his children in this world. When you read the book of Revelation, you read about all the martyrs that are under the throne of God. And they cry out and they say to God, they said, when will Jesus, when will our blood be avenged? He goes, not now, not now. And they ask several times in the revelation, when will our blood be avenged? And he says, not yet. And then comes a time for their blood to be avenged later in the, when, when the great war takes place. But what a reward for those Christians who had their heads cut off by ISIS. What a reward for those Christians that were in the Sudan and had to run from their lives in our lifetime. What a reward that must be. When those lost boys had to run from the, the Muslims and the machine guns and their torture and their, their, their swords and, and they just fled and they left their villages and they just picked up their brothers and sisters and they just took off running for their lives. And, and they come across that river that has this full of crocodiles and, and they risk uh, they, they, their choice was either swim across that, that uh, in, uh, crocodile infested river or face the, the army that was coming after them to kill them. Why? Because of Jesus. No other reason. They had, they had committed no crimes other than believing in Jesus. And, and they, just, they just risked their lives and swam across that river to get away from those Muslim uh, evil terrorists. Their reward is great. And so going through that experience, going through death, going through all that carnage has happened in our world. Jesus says, the reward for you is great in heaven. And so when I read that verse, I go, wow, what kind of reward must that be? That's got to be unbelievable. That's got to be spectacular. That's got to be something that we're willing to face persecution over. You know, at some point or another, we all got to come to the decision with whether we're going to live for now or we're going to live for eternity. And the reward for living for eternity is much better than living for now. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you know, if you blow your own horn, that's your reward here. How was it? Remember that? We'll read about that here in several weeks. You know, if you, if you do good things and if you do a righteous deed and you do it so that you receive honor and glory, how was it for you? Because that's all you're going to get. 
But if you have a pure heart, a good heart, and you live righteously, and, and, and you're willing to do good things in the secret only so that Jesus is glorified, your reward is great in heaven, even facing persecution. Even facing persecution. And then he says something else that's kind of interesting. It doesn't float my boat as much as uh, the great reward in heaven, but it says that we will identify with the prophets who've gone before us. <laughs> the prophets were persecuted, and, and, and we join in their company. Great thing. We also know that there's benefits of persecution. We know in the book of James it says that when we face trials of many kinds, we grow in perseverance, we grow in character, and we grow in hope. Persecuted believers are stronger than non-persecuted believers. Do you know that? Persecuted people. People that live in places where it's really hard to be a believer are stronger than those believers that live in a place where it's easier to be a believer. That's why people run from persecution. But we grow in perseverance, character, and hope. And something else here that is, is mind-blowing to me to think about this. Jesus said that when you're persecuted, when you're physically persecuted, when you're socially persecuted, when you're economically persecuted, when people insult you with, with that, just whatever that must be, that face, in your face, insult, and when they slander you behind your back, you are to leap for joy. You are to rejoice. You are to be glad, Jesus said in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. That rejoice and be glad means exceedingly. You need to get carried away with unfettered joy. You just need to lose yourself. You need to jump up and down. You know that song they sing it, and they play over the loudspeaker at these football games with the kids, jump up and down. I, I, I don't know what that song is. I guess it's called the jump song or whatever that might be. But that's what we need to do. When you are persecuted, thank the Lord. I get to be persecuted. Jump up and down. Leap for joy because you're identifying with Christ. So if, if Jesus says to us, and I don't believe he's sadistic. I, I think he's a real thing. I don't believe he's warped. I don't believe he's a con artist. I don't believe he's the worst, you know, sociopath that's ever been. And I can't help but think about another word for someone that says, come follow me. And man, your life is going to be miserable and I'm going to enjoy that. And that's all there is. That would be a horrible psychopathic mindset that he would have, but he didn't have that. And so the reward must be so mind boggling and beyond our ability to think, consider, to, to, to imagine that he would say to us, when you're persecuted, jump for joy, rejoice and, and let it go. So there are benefits to persecution. That's crazy, isn't it? Only Jesus makes that possible. Think about his, his uh, plan. Come follow me. Live righteously. Be, have a righteous relationship with me. Do righteous deeds socially. Grow inside. Become like me. Have pure thoughts, pure ideas. Uh, love people without strings attached 
And if you'll do all those right things, you're, you will suffer for me. Man, he, he, he has, I said it before, I got to say it again. He's got to have something coming for us. It's worth it. Living for Jesus is worth the persecution that we'll face. Now, let me give you a few things to chew on here this morning, if I haven't already, but maybe these are things for you to chew on. Here's some ways you can avoid persecution. Be a closet believer. And, and you'll, have to, you'll have to wrestle with whether or not that's a believer or not. I'll let you chew on that. Be a lukewarm believer. You'll have to, you'll have to chew on being a lukewarm believer. Is that true, a believer or a non-believer? And probably the spirit of the reason why you do it might be the conclusion you look for. But if you want to avoid persecution, be a Christian that just doesn't get carried away with it. Be a Christian that thinks it's a good idea to go to church every now and then, that thinks it's a good idea to have some morality, that thinks it's a good idea to treat other people halfway decent, and thinks it's a good idea to, to keep the golden rule, to treat other people the way you want to be treated, but just let it be at that. Just leave it alone. Don't get too carried away with it. Don't push the envelope. Don't, don't make it a matter of, you know, life or death. Just casual. Casual Christianity won't get persecuted. And you have to debate whether or not that's Christianity or not. Just desire to be liked and accepted. Let that be your mantra. You know, just get along. Just get along to get along. You won't be persecuted. They'll leave you alone. They'll like you. They might even honor you. Straddle the fence. Look at your situations. Look at the groups you're around. And when you're around a believing group, we'll believe with them. But when you're with a non-believing group, we'll just kind of go along with the flow with them. Straddle the fence. Maybe on Sundays, be of the things of the Lord, be spiritually minded, take your Bible to church and open it when the preacher says open it and read the words. And when he says something, you agree with it and it's all hunky-dory. But on Monday morning, you go right back out there and just be like everybody else. You know, be a chameleon. Fit in with whoever you're with. You won't be persecuted. You'll be okay. You'll make it. Believe in heaven, but don't believe in hell. You won't be persecuted. Everybody wants to believe in heaven. Everybody's good with believing in heaven, right? It's a popular subject. Man, you know, heaven's going to be really good. Yeah, you know, we're all going to heaven. Yeah, right, man, it's good. You know, should, that's good. Yeah, boy. You'll be liked. You'll be appreciated. You'll be accepted. But believe in hell. Believe in judgment. Grace only and no judgment for God is your belief. I mean, God wouldn't judge anybody. God wouldn't certainly send anyone to hell. It's, it's grace and love. That's, we need to be out of balance with, be out of balance with grace and love and you won't be persecuted. See, religion is only a personal thing. You know, it's just between you and the Lord and, and you, didn't, you don't need to sure push yourself on other people. Just between you and the Lord, you believe in God, good. I respect your right to believe in God. You know, just don't, just don't bother me with it. You know, that's kind of a mindset out there. If, if you just see religion as a personal thing, you don't bother anyone with your belief. If you don't ever seem to be pushy by, by those unbelieving people around you, 
I think you can probably avoid persecution. You can avoid persecution. But a surefire way, gun barrel straight way to experience persecution is tell people Jesus is the only way of salvation. You'll be persecuted. Explain to people that without Jesus in their life, they are still dead in their sin. You'll be persecuted. Tell people that judgment is coming. Warn people that judgment is coming. You'll be persecuted. Live righteously. Live by the golden rule. Live with, with unconditional love. Do the things that Jesus is asked to do. Live by the Holy Spirit. Do those things that, that God has called you to do. Live righteously. And, and that means that you live by a completely different standard than the world around you. You're not like everybody else. You don't think like everybody else. You're different. You're, you, you're living for eternity and you're not living for the here and now. You will be persecuted. That's what Jesus tells these guys. He's called them. He's begun teaching them. He's guided them. And, and here he goes as he's got him rallying around and hearing the first things about the truth of his kingdom. And Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. How in the world are we going to do that? He says, rejoice and be glad. I can see the disciples going, dude, you know, we're going to, we're going to be persecuted? How's that going to... He says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. I mean, who's ready to be persecuted? Are you ready to be persecuted? I wonder what those early disciples, those first disciples thought about these words of Jesus, these words of truth. And so a difficult question today, are you ready to be persecuted? Are you willing to be persecuted? Are you willing to live righteously in your world? I beg your pardon, Jesus said, I never promised you a rose garden. Let's pray. May your spirit guide us, lead us. Lord, we may need your supernatural work to agree with this scripture today, to believe this scripture, to apply this scripture. Lord, we pray that you'll give us the awareness, the understanding we need to have to live for you righteously and to live by your truth, by your word, to live differently, to believe differently, to be outnumbered, to be sometimes all alone, sometimes to be the only one that believes a certain way, that believes in you. Lord, we see, we understand that this is what your word says, 
but Lord, we need your help to be able to follow through. Prepare us for this difficult world. Prepare us to live righteously in this world. Prepare us, Lord, to live for you even when it's really unpopular, even when it's really difficult, even when it's a matter of life and death. Lord, we pray for those in our world that aren't able to live like we do here, Lord. We, we, it's easy for us to avoid persecution because of how we live in our world and what goes on. But Lord, in, in so many places in our world today, our brothers and sisters are being persecuted and they're being faithful and they're living righteously in the midst of all that persecution, Lord. I rejoice that their reward in heaven is great. Thank you for their faith. Thank you, Lord, for their stand for you. Thank you for the, the faith that it causes in us and the strength that it gives. I just pray, Lord, that your spirit will speak to each heart that's here today. And Lord, that we will think sincerely about this matter. And Lord, I, I pray that I'll be ready to be persecuted if that opportunity comes, that I'll face persecution that happens with, with a righteous mindset, a righteous spirit, a righteous attitude, just tr fully trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward, please.